You're listening to Masters of Digital Transformation, brought to you by AIM10X and hosted by Tony Saldana. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation. Sitting in for your host, Tony Saldana, I'm Caleb Masters. And over the past couple of seasons, we've had the opportunity to bring you senior executive stories and insights into the top challenges around digital transformation. Today, we have a special edition of the podcast covering the top digital transformation trends of 2022 that we are expecting to see. Things like cyber attacks, SKU consolidation, the increased emphasis on sustainability, and so much more. To cover these trends, I'm so excited to welcome our friends from 09 Solutions, Allison Crawford and Patrick Van Hull. Allison is the Director of Global Product Marketing at 09 Solutions, and she considers herself passionate about telling stories that educate and inspire. And as the interlocks grow between supply chain capabilities and sustainability, business performance, and technology, so does the need to share impactful, clear stories. It's her goal to demystify the new world. Allison, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm also very excited to be joined by Patrick Van Hole, Senior Director of Global Product Marketing at 09 Solutions. Patrick believes that everything is part of a supply chain, from the food on your table to the electricity in your home to the amps installed on your phone. And as such, he blends experience as a practitioner and a thought leader to tell the stories about how all these parts connect and why supply chain matters. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Caleb. It's a true pleasure to be here. I, I think that certainly there's a lot of things to talk about. 2022 is shaping up to be an adventurous year. Excellent. Well, listeners, now that you know the players, let's go ahead and jump into today's conversation. And firstly, I just wanted to quickly note that everything we'll be talking about today was covered in a recent 09 Solutions blog post, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. So let's dive into the nine different trends we're going to cover. We'll start with trend number one, which is cyber attacks. Now, Patrick, with the worldwide IT security market forecasted to reach up to $170 billion in 2022, according to Gardner, it's undeniable that cybersecurity has become one of the biggest focuses for digital transformation leaders. So from your perspective, what would you say are the key drivers that are making this such a critical matter in the new year? There are a few different things. First, I would say we look at the number of devices that we have that are connected, and it's a concept called attack surfaces. There are so many different devices that we have that are now exposed. It's our phones, our TVs, our laptops, our thermostats, AirPods, any of those things, they're all connected devices. So we're now at a point where we're starting to see all of these devices connect into an ecosystem. And what really is doing is it's putting ourselves in position for each one of those things to be an avenue in which we can and will be attacked. And it's not always the most obvious ones. And what we're doing as individuals, practitioners, is we're un unknowingly exposing our companies to this. And, and what it's putting ourselves in the position where when we try to pull in all of this data and we try to pull in in un orthodox ways. We have individual practitioners, I've been there, who are ingenious, who are finding new and different ways to pull in information so that they can create the planning cycles. Well, it's opening up these ways that we can be attacked. And when we do this across multiple layers of the supply chain, we don't even know where we're going to be attacked. And it's putting supply chains in the position where their suppliers, as the result of a cyber attack, are unable to supply the customers. And really, it's going to create the position where companies 
multiple tiers down the supply chain are going to be exposed because of something that was done unknowingly. And it's going to happen soon. It sounds like even educating or knowing exactly where the data is coming from is going to be really important. I think that's actually going to tie into something else that I read from Accenture recently that reported that 68% of business leaders feel that cybersecurity risks are increasing. From your perspective, Patrick, how can business leaders use this raised awareness to ensure that their systems are prepared and their data is secured? I would say, first of all, the most important thing is awareness. We're at a point where even this week, the White House has gathered technology leaders to talk about cybersecurity. Not too long ago, I was at an event myself where the chief supply chain officer of one of the world's leading CPG companies got up and said, how many of you have ever fallen for a phishing attack? He was the first one to raise his hand, and he mentioned that it had happened just that week. Fortunately for him, it was something that had been initiated by his own IT department as part of a regularly scheduled check but it brought to light just how much we are at risk. The awareness is already high, but it needs to go even higher. Ultimately, we have to filter data to understand where it comes from, to understand what's secure, to put the walls in place so that it doesn't get through our own infrastructure, but it doesn't extend out to our supply chain. Because what we're finding is through our networks, through our peers, through all of these avenues, the more exposed we are is going to create risk up and downstream. So awareness is huge. It's the first step. And we have a long ways to go in order to make that top of mind for everybody. All great insights. Listeners, take note. Cybersecurity is going to be one of those trends you want to watch very closely in 2022. Let's go ahead and move on to our second trend today that uh, I want to hit on, which is going to continue this theme around data, or in this case, social media data. So Allison, I'm going to kick things off with you here. Social media data is hardly something that is new in the world of business, but with a study by Forrester recently reporting that only 43% of firms have unified cross-platform analytics, few companies have really been able to effectively use the data captured to develop knowledge and eventually even insights about the customers. What do you think makes social media's relationship to digital transformation and digital supply chain even more relevant this year? I think the connection really is around real-time response because importing social media data from a user gives you that instant visibility into how they're going to behave in the short term. And understanding those behaviors and patterns gives you an ability to shift your supply chain and make sure that you have the inventory in stock to meet that demand. And so for organizations that haven't figured out how to tease out the insights from this massive amount of social media information and really have an actionable plan that comes out of it, you're going to be missing out. And organizations that are starting to invest in this and have the data capability to go through and look at video and look at social media posts and extract the intent are going to have a competitive advantage that other organizations that are delaying making these investments are really going to be negatively impacted going forward. We talked about recently about what's happening with the champagne shortage in France coming through New Year's. Having that insight to know I'm throwing a big party or I'm just staying home with my friends and only having a bottle of champagne in Des Moines, it really becomes a competitive advantage when organizations can extract that insight from the noise to make better business decisions. And so you need to invest in the technologies that have that capability to drive your business forward. Patrick, I wanted to give you a chance to chime in. Is there anything you would like to add regarding the increased importance of social media insights to remain competitive in 2022? 
I would start by saying that supply chain planning has historically been built on historical data. For example, statistical forecasts rely on 24 months of past data, two years. It's a long time looking backward without actually knowing what's happening in any given moment. And so what's happened with the pandemic, what's happened in 2020 and beyond, is the rate of change in human behavior is unprecedented. The avenues that are presented through social media, often through unstructured data, are really giving us an insight into how that human behavior is changing, sometimes in the moment. And we're finding that it's the unexpected behavior that businesses need to understand. We can plan for certain occurrences, but it's when things that happen that we didn't expect are really where we're finding the need for supply chains to be able to pivot quickly. And we need to take into account that social media data because that's the best indicator we have in some cases about what's going on truly in the minds of our consumers and the minds of our markets. And so it's a real opportunity for us to say something different is happening. It's a real opportunity for our supply chains to understand what customer experience they need to deliver. It's undeniable. Being able to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the very real time is going to be essential. Let's go ahead and move on to our third topic today, which is actually going to be a little bit of a shift because we're going to be talking about the impact of the United Nations 2021 Climate Change Report. Allison, last year, the United Nations released a bombshell climate change report that really seems like it's going to yield major impacts for our listeners. The report has created an unprecedented increase in the focus on sustainability. A recent Gardner survey even found that 70% of supply chain leaders are investing in a circular economy to support such initiatives. So what would you say are some of the key drivers of sustainability conversation that we saw last year? And how do you expect to see CEOs, CIOs, and other business leaders handle it in 2022? There's been a big behavioral shift that for a very long time, organizations were being led to sustainability with the carrot about it being you know, beneficial for the planet. You know, the reduction of waste is a nice to have. And I think that, you know, since this report has come out and basically the, the UN is saying that even if we were to make a 180 degree turn tomorrow, we're still decades away from having an impact. It's not in the best interest of an organization, which is where I think the carrot now comes in. So rather than being altruistic, a lot of organizations are starting to understand that their customers, their investors, their partners really care and are making decisions with their wallets in terms of if you have a sustainability-friendly business plan. CEOs particularly are starting to evaluate, how do I stay ahead of the curve to not only anticipate the regulations that are coming through, but how do I keep sentiment high with investors and customers that are coming into my organization? The scope of this problem is enormous, and it goes across all industries. Of course, we could speak for hours about this specific trend, but for now, let's go ahead and put a pin in it. Allison, if you could, how do you expect to see this further evolve in 2022? Organizations are investing heavily, whether it's developing internal teams that are looking at corporate social responsibility to make sure that their core values as a corporation are in line, and then coming downstream and investing in technologies that are going to answer this problem. If they haven't embraced these new requirements, whether it's coming through governmental legislation that says you need to have a sustainability practice and traceability both upstream and downstream to understand where your raw materials are coming through and making sure that when you're shipping things out through a logistics provider, 
they're doing so in a green manner, whether it's using less fossil fuels to fly the planes or, or drive the boats. I mean, all of this is going to come together. And so really, it's the art of the possible and understanding that you can't keep doing the same things. So again, be watching more around sustainability, not just throughout 2022, but also beyond 2023, 2024 in the future. Let's go on to our fourth topic, which is the future of planning in 2022. Patrick, there's been plenty of discussion around emerging next-gen cloud-based planning providers. Why do you expect to see CIOs and business leaders making this a key business priority this year? I've had an individual professor that I respect highly made this comment to me not too long ago, is that the math still works, but the models with which we apply the math don't. The old ways of working don't work anymore. And so when we think about this idea of a cloud-based solution, we think about agile solutions, we think about the ability to change our business models, we have to be able to create solutions and systems and platforms that can adapt. And if we're one size fits all based upon the technology that's been provided to us, then our business is going to be one size fits all. And it's not going to be very good at that. And so in order to be flexible and agile and responsive and resilient in all of these buzzworthy terms, we need to put the systems in place so that people can actually do their jobs. We ultimately have to put people in the position to make a decision about what matters most. It's not about the volume of work. It's about making the most impactful decision. And you take the knowledge that's gleaned out of the data, you turn it into insights, and you make decisions. That's the types of things that are available out of these next-gen solutions. To reiterate, it sounds like utilizing this planning to work smarter and more efficiently over just doing more of the same. I want to turn it back to you, Allison. According to a recent study by McKinsey, only 14% of companies launching digital transformations have actually seen sustained material performance improvements due to those outdated technology environments. From your perspective, how does adopting a, a next-gen cloud solution allow for organizations to more quickly pivot into this event of a sudden disruption? It's funny because Patrick and I, you know, both from the New England area, and the analogy that I would make is back in the 80s, they talked about putting 93 under the city to alleviate traffic. And they went through this giant transformation. They built these tunnels and the traffic didn't change. And what they didn't do was account for the growth of the system. And I think that is pretty analogous to what's happening right now in that organizations, when they're adopting these digital transformation systems, they can't approach the problem from what's happening now. They need a next generation cloud-based solutions that's able to grow with the problem. It's around understanding what you don't understand and planning for the unknowable. Planning for the unknowable. Alice and I quite agree. This is undeniably a unique challenge for many organizations that historically has had few easy answers. And I'm really excited to see how the future of planning can help with that in 2022. Let's go ahead and move on to our fifth topic today, which is the SKU consolidation that we can expect to see in the near future. Allison, I know a value that's long been held by many business leaders and organizations is to create more options to appeal to the unique preferences of different types of consumers. And that really seems to be shifting in 2022. So what would you say is influencing this less is more approach to the consolidation of SKUs? Yeah, and I, you know, kind of is a nice dovetail into our previous topic. I think that when you're talking about SKU consolidation, it's really around serving 80% of your market with 20% of your product, right? Because I think that there's a lot of stuff with long tail that does have a market, but 
holding that in inventory and waiting for that ideal customer to come along is not sustainable from an environmental perspective. Financially, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I realized that folks were excited about customization. I want a pink t-shirt in Boca Raton, Florida on Friday, March 11th, right? When you think about it, that is serving so many different buyer types that it, it becomes untenable. And so a lot of organizations, like you look at Coke, who's, you know, taking out the zombie products in their portfolio, they're starting to understand that while, yes, you can sell a niche product to a market of one, if you think about it in the long term, the financial ROI, it's not there. And so I think that that's what's pulling people back, that if somebody wants that specific thing, they might be able to find a niche producer on an e-commerce channel but not in the best interest in CPG, in retail, in automotive and the like to be able to have that product assortment and just do the waiting game. Of course, this is ultimately going to impact those storefront retailers. And Patrick, I'd like to turn it back over to you for a moment. How will this change the overall supply chain strategy for those retailers? The supply chain is responsible for the customer experience, period. And when we hear these stories of disruption, we hear, see the pictures of outages in grocery stores and markets in any type of store that's out there, the blame is being shifted to supply chain. That's what people are calling things right now without actually knowing fully what the supply chain does, which is an interesting inflection point for us all. We have more products that are available, but if we can't get them on the shelves, the customers aren't going to buy them anyway. So how can supply chains identify the right experience that they can deliver consistently to those customers? It starts at the store shelf. What's the right assortment to put on the shelves? What's the right fulfillment plan that ties to that assortment? What's the right promotional plan that it ties to those things? And so it's a much more dynamic proposition than just thinking point to point. It's about how the experience is developed as a product of the supply chain the physical storefronts are certainly going to be impacted, but I think especially as we're thinking about this time frame in the midst of a pandemic, e-commerce is going to be a huge part of this conversation as well. Allison, can you tell us exactly how do you expect to see e-commerce impacted? Clearly, e-commerce revenues are going up. We look at the Black Friday numbers, et cetera. And so it will be impacted, but I think that it won't entirely replace that brick and mortar experience because again, to Patrick's earlier point, shopping for any item is now a hybrid experience. They have the ability to buy online, pick up in store or have it delivered to your house. And so I think that as a channel, e-commerce is going to enable folks to get product that they might not be aware of necessarily because they just didn't know it was possible. But when they're starting to shop for things, they'll see, oh, I like this product over that product, it's going to become part of the new normal. But at the end of the day, folks still want to have a test drive of the car, making sure that they have that ability is going to be part and parcel of everything. But the evolution is really mitigated by consumer behavior and understanding how the customers are acting to provide that product. So it's going to shift, but things are still so in flux that Again, you need to be a little fluid in terms of how you are thinking about your inventory and your portfolio to meet those needs. Speaking of fluidity, that actually ties right into our next trend, which is number six. And this trend, we're calling it the bullwhip effect, is going to continue to persist within supply chain. So Patrick, I want to dovetail off of what Allison just was talking about related to e-commerce. 
2021 saw a historic bullwhip effect in supply chain. What impacts will we continue to see related to those disruptions in certain supplies as we head into 2022? We are now at the point where the supply chains are blending. So, for example, we talk about cars, we talk about the semiconductors, we talk about chip shortages. We're now at a place where the decisions to allocate supply aren't just the traditional channels that have existed before. And we're going to see that proliferate. We're still in that place where if there is a run on a product because of social media information, for example, we're going to see an increase in demand. And it's understanding the differentiation between a real change in demand pattern and something that is spurred by an individual circumstance. And we as humans don't always know that. It's easy to react to that one store that sold all that product, to that auto manufacturer that had a spike in sales. But what we need to understand is what drove those things. And that's where I think that we're still going to have that type of historical behavior in place. But we've now acknowledged that technology, that these new artificial intelligence, machine learning platforms, the algorithms can start to identify really what's real and what is just a momentary occurrence. And that's where we start to see that the bullwhip effects impact are going to be lessened is when we can differentiate between what is a long-term trend, what is a spot moment, and where do we actually need to start changing our own behaviors based upon what's happening in the market. That said, 2022, there's still a whole lot of inventory that's out there. And we're still going to see that glut. I do want to go ahead and shift gears here to our seventh trend, which is going digital to tackle the talent gap. Allison, in 2021, we saw the Great Resignation. And according to a recent study from JobList, 73% of respondents are considering quitting their roles in 2022. What do you think are going to be some of the key areas to focus on for leaders who want to win in this demand for talent? You know, it's interesting because if you think about it from a generational perspective, I think that there's different cultural requirements that are coming with each generation. Leadership that is looking for talent that understands, A, the differences of what motivates us and what we want out of our job is going to be really important. It's going to come as no surprise when I say nobody wants to be doing boring grunt work. It just isn't engaging and interesting enough. And especially when we're talking about knowledge workers, which is the industry that we're in, it really is going to come down to giving them the opportunity to use the skills that they have at the point of the career that they're in and drive a meaningful impact to the bottom line of the organization. Giving them the ability, again, to use data to make strategic decisions around how projects or programs or initiatives should move forward, that's going to be important for HR organizations and senior leadership to say, I need folks that can solve problems rather than push buttons. Understanding the passions and making the work interesting and rewarding is really where companies need to think about answering the need to have the best quality talent come to the organization. One way that many would argue that they can meet that need is with technology or maybe the right technology. So Patrick, I'm going to turn it back over to you here. What role does having the right technology and processes in place play? I once heard from a chief supply chain officer, she said that she had become the biggest bottleneck in decision-making in her organization because of a period of unnecessary escalations. If we put the right technology in individuals' hands so that they can act on the decisions that are adding value for their business, they can start to make the decisions that don't need to be escalated. And that those decisions that once seemed like they were big and overwhelming 
are now achievable. They're actually actionable. And we can put that power back in the hands of those individuals at lower levels of the organizations. And, and that's where technology is creating these new opportunities. We can see it with control towers. We can see it with these opportunities to collaborate in new ways. And that's where you're going to see the individuals that now may not be as knowledgeable in a supply chain career path as somebody who's been in the position for 20 odd years, but they have the information in front of them and they have the guidance in front of them that helps them to make the decision, helps them to have the conversations that are gonna actually add value and be meaningful for them. And they're actually gonna create less grunt work and bottlenecks further up the hierarchy, creating a win-win for everybody. We are nearing the end of our list as we transition into our eighth topic. And this trend is what's been called the forced evolution of business models from unexpected disruption. Allison, of course, there is naturally from many business leaders across industries and across the globe even, a desire to go back to normal this year. But the recent disruption that we've seen caused by the pandemic has also led to new buying habits for consumers, which has created a unique demand and innovation opportunity. So why do you think this year is the year that we'll see business leaders trying new strategies and adopting new business models? 18, 24 months ago, whenever this pandemic started, we were kind of thrown into this new world of chaos and people started to make decisions based on what was available. And for me, I'll give you a personal example. It's going to sound silly, but like it brought me joy to go grocery shopping and go down the aisles and see what was available. And then when I couldn't do that, I just bring it to my car. I don't see myself now going back to shopping in a store like that because now I've reallocated that time elsewhere. And so I think that this example kind of is ubiquitous across consumers in general, whether it's a, a you know, B2B, you're selling in aircraft parts to like a Boeing or a, a McDonnell Douglas, or you're going to, you know, buy shoes. It's really around organizations understanding how things have shifted and recognizing the fact that there is no going back to the way things used to be. And related to that thought, I actually came across a, a recent study from Forrester that stated that eight in 10 consumers will see the world as all digital in 2022. So Patrick, I, I wanna get your perspective here. Why do you think it's so important for business leaders to understand the shift in these emerging consumer demands and the expectations of technology following that disruption? One thing that gets overlooked is that the digital experience is still powered by physical supply chains. So if we think about what it takes to perform a search, it doesn't just go into a literal cloud. There are a series of data centers that are able to access the information. Knowledge graphs exist. We use them at 09 to piece together the right pieces of information so that the information that you search for comes up. When you search your name, it's able to go and take all of those things that are relevant. All of that's powered by a physical supply chain. If we don't understand what's happening with our consumers and that, that what's being developed on that digital front, we can't make it happen with the physical supply chain unless we know what's going on there. So it requires, again, that understanding to exist before we can actually deliver it and make the experiences possible. Understanding the behaviors and the trends is going to be really essential. And there really is a lot of technology out there that can help with that. Allison, uh, just to, to put a pin in this specific topic, why do you think the digital transformation of these business models are the best path forward to the overall business success for companies uh, in this next year? 
You know, Caleb, I, I liken it to corporate Darwinism. Evolution happens and organism will evolve to best survive in the environment in which they are living. And it's the same thing, whether it's a lizard on the beach in the Galapagos Island, or it's a large multinational brewer. You have to evolve to stay relevant because if you don't, other competitors will outpace you and make you irrelevant. You can't stay still because buyer behaviors change, availability of product changes. And so unless you have the kind of agility and flexibility to shift based on market forces, there's no way for you to survive. The investment has to happen now. Do the baseline understanding of where your organization is, the health check on your data to understand what you're pulling in and what you're missing, and then build a roadmap forward. And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing digital transformation where I'm going to be a completely different organization six, 12, 18 months from now. It can be incremental, but the change, the first steps have to happen now to be relevant going forward. Well said, Allison. And I think that's going to tie right into the final trend that we're covering today. And this trend, it's our ninth and final trend, is that 2022 is time to leverage technology. So Allison, I want to continue on some of the thoughts that you just laid out there. What would you say are some of the costly examples regarding outdated processes that you saw across industries, maybe like automotive, for example, in 2021? You know, the one thing that I keep coming back to, and Patrick and I have kind of alluded to it, people were making decisions based on information they had without understanding the second and third order of effects. And with like the rental car organizations or the companies, they sold off their entire fleet and they are missing out on opportunity now as people go back to traveling. And so I think that was a costly mistake. And, you know, on the one hand, they're going to say, well, I didn't know how long this pandemic was going to last. I don't know what the demand impacts are going to be on rental cars. And that may be true, but there were leading indicators when people started to travel again that these rental car companies could have been working with the automotive companies who could have been working with the, the semiconductor companies to say, we have a massive inventory need coming up. How do we start to reallocate resources to be able to even get 50% capacity back on the lots? Patrick, with everything that Allison just laid out there in mind, I want to turn it back to you. How do these challenges tie into some of those talent shortages that we saw in industries like trucking industries, for example? The trucking is a big issue. I mean, we think about all of the product that moves throughout the U.S., throughout the various parts of the world, and, and so much of it still relies on trucks. It's not the most glamorous of positions, but it's something that's fundamentally needed. I would say from a planning standpoint, we need to make the effort to understand the map of our supply chain, much like Allison has just described. Last mile gets a lot of the conversation about how product is being delivered to our homes, but how does it get moved from distribution center to distribution center? How does it move from the ports where they're having difficulty getting truck drivers to come in and to process those things to pick up containers? And so there's that interconnectivity that exists between all of these nodes in the supply chain. And historically, we've looked at those as individual functions the visibility into the end-to-end -end map to see where the constraints exist and then to make the decisions about how to address those constraints. That's where we need to work on this. Trucking is a place where we can develop some opportunities with more visibility. We've seen a number of logistics investments that have been made over the past years because people are trying to find a better way to move product. And that's what we're still looking at. It requires that end-to-end -end view and an understanding of what actually is valuable to the business. 
running a scenario of saying what it costs to expedite a shipment as compared to what it costs to pay a truck driver a little bit more, that's something that's achievable today. These are all great examples and considerations. And to wrap up our conversation, I want to give you both the final word as it relates to digital transformation. Patrick, I'll throw it back to you. How can digital transformation allow organizations to be more agile, more sustainable, and ultimately more profitable in 2022? Digital transformation is far too often addressed as a finite thing where companies can make an investment and all of a sudden be transformed. That's not how it works. Digital transformation is an infinite game. It requires starting. Oftentimes, it's just as simple as picking one thing to transform and then understanding where the business goes from there and then making the next decision. Supply chain throughout the course of time has been dependent upon making the right decision in a moment, every single moment. So how do we create the right opportunities to do it better? And it's digital technologies that are the way that are doing it. It's about enterprise business planning, not just functional planning anymore. And that's where we have these opportunities to just continually rethink how we're working, to continually learn, to apply what we learn and do it in a meaningful way. And it's going to have an impact on our businesses. It's going to have an impact on our people. And it's going to have an impact on our planet as well. Allison, I'll pass it back to you for the final word. When I think about from a digital transformation perspective, for me, it's not necessarily just about the technology. There are some good technologies out there. There are some great technologies out there that are going to help move the needle. The perspective that I take is more on the relationship and the individual, that this requires some bravery and some courage and some self-introspection to really start to understand, here are the gaps in my performance as a business, and how do I bridge those gaps to really accelerate how I'm going to market you know, drive the greatest profitability and to Patrick said, you know, to do it in a sustainable way that is not detrimental and damaging to the environment and future generations. And I think that that combination of technology and thought leader within a supply chain organization coming together, whether it's the CEO, or it's the chief supply chain officer, it can even be a practitioner that bubbles this up. I think really it's around understanding the art of the possible and taking a deep breath and that first step and making the change because we all know change is hard, but it's necessary. It's required at this point in our society. I couldn't have put a better cap on today's conversation myself. So again, listeners, this has been Allison Crawford, the Director of Global Product Marketing at 09 Solutions. Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And of course, we've also been joined by Patrick Van Hall, the Senior Director of Global Product Marketing at 09 Solutions. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And of course, to all you listeners, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to look at the top nine digital transformation trends of 2022. As always, we really appreciate your company. To get more information about new episodes, I encourage you to subscribe to the Masters of Digital Transformation podcast on your preferred podcast app. The best way you can support the show, if you are listening on either Apple Podcast or Spotify, is to leave us a rating or a review in that specific app. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, perhaps you could even consider sharing this podcast or telling a friend about it. And you can also follow Aim10x on LinkedIn. To learn more about the trends that we discussed today, you can head on over to 09solutions.com and go to their blog. There's also going to be a link to that blog in the show notes today. Until next time, as Tony always reminds us, in today's world, don't just transform planning, reinvent it. 
Thank you for listening to Masters of Digital Transformation. For more information, be sure to check out www.09solutions.com slash aim10x.